And I want to challenge our church for the next two weeks before we get to our Prosper series. I want to challenge us on the topic of worship. On the topic that is, in theological terms, the most important thing that you can do in your life. For the Bible has basically two commandments. That you could sum up all the commandments of the Bible into two things. And the first one, the most important thing that you can do with your life, Jesus said it on several occasions, is that you love the Lord your God. You love the Lord your God. You worship Him. And then He goes on and He says that you love the Lord your God with all your what? With all your... This is where your soul is, by the way. Some of you got big souls. <laughs> with all your soul... With all your, and with all your, I had to bring the guns out for that one, ladies and gentlemen. We are to love God emotionally, we are, loved, we are to love God uh, spiritually, we are love to love God mentally, intellectually, but we're to love God physically. We're to love Him with our bodies. And I think that we've got, many of us have the first three you know, we, we're okay with it. We're comfortable with that. I, I love God with my heart. Yes, I, I love God with my spirits, my, my emotions. I, I love God with my mind, the intellectual part of my being. But I don't know about that expressing thing, that, that physical dimension of worship. And, and I really believe that we come into this building every single week, and sometimes we let the atmosphere or the people next to us, behind us, in front of us, or the events of our week actually hinder what is most important in the eyes of God. And if it's the most important in the eyes of God that we love Him, then we had better do it whether we feel like it or not, whether we've had a great week or a bad week, whether things are going for us or seem to be against us, there's no excuses to not do the most important commandment in the Bible, and that is to worship and love the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for all the good things that he has poured into our lives. we got to be worshiping people, because I believe that many people, especially in America, have a one-way relationship with God. And by that I mean that they always are receiving, but they are rarely giving to God. And you might say to me, what does God want from me? I don't even have that much for me. And the truth is that God doesn't need your money. He, he doesn't need your uh, skills. He doesn't need your ideas or your opinion. But God does want your worship. He wants it. I, 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 I hope that you catch this. He wants to see visible, verbal, heartfelt response of love and affection for what he has done in your life. And if there's one thing that just kind of bugs me about America is that we're in the most blessed country in the world. We are in the most prosperous season of human history. I, I know it's a recession, but our recession is like a booming economy for two-thirds of the world. And I know that some of you, it's been hard times, but you still got extra in your life. That we are so blessed in this country, here's what bugs me, and yet atheism is on the rise. People are questioning God more than ever before. And people are walking out of the church, church attendance, not, not here at Waters Church, but 
Church attendance nationwide, low. Lower than in previous years. The national growth rate of population is higher than the growth rate of churches in America. It bugs me. It bugs me because when you go to third world countries where, where, where people are living on one dollar a day and eating like bread for breakfast and bread for lunch and bread for dinner and it's all the same piece of bread, that they're happy, that they are actually running to God, not away from him. That if you look at right now in Brazil, Brazil is exploding with growth in Christianity. Evangelicalism in, Christian, in, in Brazil is at an all-time high. They are vastly overwhelming the population growth in that country. And isn't it interesting that where Christianity is growing the fastest, Brazil has one of the most growing economies right now in the world. There is something to be said for being a people who love God. It will go well with them. And I look at America and I say, what's wrong with you? You've got it so good. Sh shouldn't the nations that don't have it good be the ones that don't believe in God? Shouldn't they be like, life sucks, God's not there. But America, we are so blessed and we're walking away from him. And I hate it because it's a one-way relationship. And you know this. You know this. I know this. Nothing is more hurtful in life than a one-way relationship. Maybe, maybe many of you have experienced a one-way relationship where you're the one that gave and gave and gave and gave and you never got back. I know that all the parents understand this completely. Because, you know, it's like you have a child and then it's just years of giving and giving and giving, and it seems like in our nation, it's just getting longer. That season of just giving, was it up to like 35 years now? Right, you sent them to college and they came back. <laughs> You're wondering what are you doing with yourself? And it's just giving and giving and giving and there's no, and, and you have a little baby. It's so, so amazing how much you love that baby and you change him and you feed him and you give him food and you, you dress him and you wipe his bum and you burp him and you do all these things that you would never do for another human being. And he gives you nothing back. How many of you can tell I'm in that season right now? <laughs> And it's just one way, just one way, just one way. But you love them, you love them because you know that. And, and it can be hard, those, those parenting years when they're 8 and 9 and, they're, and then, they're, and then they're, they're 15 and 16. And it's, and it's hard and, and you want to kill them sometimes. But you know that if you just keep giving, you keep giving, hopefully you get a return on your investment. But there's nothing worse than never getting that return. Maybe you're in a marriage right now. And there's nothing coming back to you. You're the one that's giving. You're the one that's trying. You want to go to counseling. They don't. You're the one that wants to make it work. They don't. It's a one-way relationship. Nothing's more hurtful. Nothing's more hurtful. Maybe you were in high school, like, like me. You were in high school, and there was that one person of the opposite sex. And they were just your dream person. And you loved them with all your heart. And you prayed to God, oh God, make them love me, make them love me. And you showered them with love and affection. And you wanted to talk to them. And you wanted to take them to the prom. And they rejected you time and time and time again. And they never gave you anything back. It's hurtful to be a part of a one-way relationship. Of course, 15 years later, you looked them up on Facebook and said, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you spared me. <laughs> thank you, Jesus, right? 
There's nothing more hurtful in your life, nothing worse than being involved in a one-way relationship. Too many people have a one-way relationship with God. And they get all these things from Him. They never thank Him. And you never worship Him. We can't be like that. You know, Jesus ends the Lord's Prayer. He, he says, here's how you got to pray. you got to ask God for all these things. Forgiveness, bread, uh, deliverance from the evil, you know, His will, His, his kingdom. All, ask Him for all these things. But don't stop with the asking. You end, and, and Catholic friends, i got to know, why do you stop? Right before the best part of the Lord's Prayer. Thine is the kingdom. Thine is the power. Thine is the glory. What are you doing? I'm going to worship you. I'm going to worship you because I'm expecting good things from you. And I've already got good things from you. The sun rose today. That's a good thing from God. I got air in my lungs. That's a good thing from God. The children might be crying, but thank God they got lungs that work and mouths that work and vocal cords that work and work pretty darn well. And they do cry. You know, my, my job is hard, but thank God I've got an income. Not everything's going well for me, but thank God I'm still alive and I live in the greatest country in the world and I've got opportunities to make my life better. Thankfulness, worshiping God. To turn our one-way relationship into a two-way street. You see, the Bible says that we are the light of the world. Christians. But do you ever ask yourself, how do I really light up the world? And I thought about it. Here's how you do it. Worship. Worship. You live a life of worship. A life of thankfulness. A life of glorying, glorifying Jesus Christ for what he's done in your life. And it's a lot like uh, this little device here that I have for you to uh, kind of show you what I mean. Does anybody know what this is? No, it's a lamp. <laughs> it's a homemade lamp that I made many moons ago. If you know anything about electronic appliances, you know that electronic appliances have two tongs or two wires. A wire that brings power in. That's the black wire. Electricians call that the power source or, or the positive. And the, and the power wire brings it, the electricity, into the appliance. But if you only give the appliance electricity and only send it in, it will not work. It will not light up. The power has to not just go into the appliance. The power has to go through the appliance and come back out on the neutral side or the neutral white wire that electricians refer to. And so if this light is going to light up, it can't just be a receiver. It has to be a giver. And this works for everything in life. You want money, you got to give money. You want love, you got to give love. You want friends, you got to be a friend. You want forgiveness, you got to be a for, you got to be a forgiver. This is how it works, friend. You can't just be a receiver. You can't just take and take and take. And when it comes to God, he gives you everything you have. Do you understand that everything you have in your life comes from God by his grace, by his mercy? The fact that you were born where you were born, when you were born to the parents that you were born to, was by the grace of God. You had nothing to do with that. You could have been born in Sudan. You could have been born in Somalia. You were born when you were born, to the family you were born to, with the opportunities that you have that most of the world would love to have. 
And you can't sit there and just take and take and take and take from God and never give him something back. You will live a dull, lifeless, dark life. But when you get the power to you, bring it out through you, and that's when the power starts to come alive in your life. And I, gotta, I just got to kind of show you what I mean because you're not getting it just yet. I got an extension cord. Fear not. <laughs> I've done this twice already this weekend. Let me show you what I mean. If I stick the power into the cord that is the hot, nothing happens. It's in there. It's connected. It's getting juice. If I touch that wire right now, I'm going to hurt. <laughs> but it's getting nothing. I have to put both wires in. I have to take, this, this appliance has to take power and receive power. And when it becomes what, what they call an electrical circuit, it completes the circuit of power. Not just getting it to it, but through it. That's when it lights up and it shines and reflects what it was made for. This, this is what you look like when you love God. This is what it looks like when a Christian doesn't just say, please, Lord, please, Lord, please, Lord, but learns how to say, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, for all that you've done in my life, for all that I have. And you light up the darkness of your world because you become a worshiper. Turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, the 17th chapter. Gospel of Luke, the 17th chapter. We're going to read verses 11 through 19. And we're going to look at nine guys who had a one-way relationship with God. Would you stand with me as we read from... Luke's Gospel, chapter 17, verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers, somebody say ten, who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. That's an outsider, not a Jew. Then Jesus answered, we're not ten cleansed. Look at this question. God wants to see it. Wants to see our worship. He says, weren't ten cleansed? And then he says, where are the other nine? Was no one found? To return and give praise to God except this foreigner. And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Let's pray. Father, I ask that the Holy Spirit right now have absolute power, control, authority in this place. We open our hearts, we open our minds, we open our lives to you. Speak to us. Make us more like Jesus. Make us worshipful. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a seat. Now, would you do me a favor and welcome our Taunton campus. We love you guys watching by video. Everybody here, say hello. God bless you, Taunton. Luke chapter 17, 10 lepers. 10 lepers come to Jesus. Leprosy in the New Testament was like the HIV AIDS of the 1980s. 
Nobody understood it. Everybody was afraid of it. You didn't go near people who had it. There were no medical advancements to understand this disease. Your body literally melted away. Your skin eroded from your body. You were ostracized from community because people were afraid that they would catch it. You literally deteriorated until the day that you died. There was no cure. There was no ambulance or medical personnel to come and help you. You were actually apportioned off to a leper colony where you lived with other lepers. That's where you belonged. Imagine living that kind of life. Imagine the kind of life where you have no contact with the people that you love. You couldn't be with your family. If you had children, you'd have to give up your relationship with them. If you had a wife, it was over. You had to go and segregate yourself from the rest of the world. Imagine living that kind of life. No contact with no one. No one to touch you. No one to love you. No one to kiss you. No one to hug you. How much we take for granted today the ability to have physical human contact with those we love. Like nothing feels better than a, a hug from someone that you love and someone who loves you. Many of you are married and you have your good times and you have your bad times, but at the end of the day, you come together, you hug, you hold hands, you kiss, you caress. It's wonderful. It's healing. It's, it, it physically and emotionally lifts you up. Even if you're not married, you have parents, you have, you have brothers and sisters, hopefully you have good friends that you're, you're, you can touch, you can connect with, you can be in community with you. They love you and you love them and it's good and it's healthy and it makes you human. Imagine having none of that. Nobody to touch you. And on top of all that, they had to walk around with their faces covered. And they had to shout at the top of their lungs, unclean, unclean, unclean. Because they had to let everybody know that they were not worthy and they were not able to communicate or be in contact with anybody else. Lest that person catch what you've got. And so you can see that these ten guys are pretty desperate. And they stand at a distance to Jesus and they see him and they know that he's been doing some amazing things. He's more than a rabbi. He's more than a prophet. He's more than a man. They say, Jesus, master. Jesus, master. That's who they think he is. Master of the universe. Master of everything. Have mercy on us. We want our families back. We want our lives back. We want the ability to live a normal life again. Jesus says to them, go show yourselves to the priests. What is Jesus doing? He's giving them a command in, according to the Old Testament that if by chance a leper had been cleansed, and it was rare, but if by chance a leper had been cleansed, they could go and show themselves to the priest, and the priest would either pronounce them still a leper or clean, depending on their skin, and then they would offer an, an offering at the temple, and then they would go and live a normal life again. And so here's 10 guys who have leprosy. And Jesus tells them to do what somebody healed of leprosy should do. In other words, Jesus says, I want you guys to start living like you know I've already healed you. In Mark chapter 11, verse 24, Jesus says, Whenever you ask for anything in prayer, believe that you have received it, and then it will be yours. There's a faith component to receiving from God. Some of you get nothing from God. The reason why you get nothing from God is because you don't believe that God will give you anything. You need to believe, act like you have received, and it will come. That's what Jesus says to these guys. 
They listen to the words of Jesus. They obey. They walk in obedience, and amazingly, they are healed. They are walking away, and the leprosy clears up, and their skin restores, and they become like you and me. They're normal again. They have opportunities to have contact with other people again. They could go and hug their parents. They could go and hug their children, uh, make love to their spouse. Whatever they have not been able to do for years, now they will finally be able to do. I want you to catch the magnitude of what Jesus has done, because he hasn't just given them a cough drop. He has radically changed their existence. Do you understand that when you came to Jesus, that's exactly what happened to you in the spiritual realm? Do you understand that you came to him with nothing, no hope, ostracized from God, separated by your sins, totally cut off from heaven with no hope of getting there on your own merit, on your own good work. Jesus loved you. He gave his life for you. The blood of Jesus came into your life the moment you received his healing and he cleansed you from all your sin and made you right with God and established your permanent home in heaven waiting for you. That's not a cough drop. That's, that's a 180 degree change in your existence. From this moment in the story in Luke chapter 17, things take an embarrassingly bad turn. The Bible says that 10 are healed and one, one turns around, comes back to Jesus, praises him, falls on his face and thanks him. One. All, all week long, I've been thinking about those nine. I've been saying, what is wrong with these guys? Because, because this is not small stuff. And they all should have just like said, Jesus, we're your boys, man. What do you want us to do? You want us to kill some Romans for you? We'll do it. You want us to carry you up on, your, on our shoulders? Done. What do you want? But I don't know what was going on with them. I don't know what happened. Uh, maybe they had things to do. <laughs> you know, it doesn't cure, being cured of leprosy doesn't actually change, you know, make everything right. You still got to go get a job. You still got to earn money. You gotta, maybe you got to fix up your house. Maybe it's a wreck. Maybe there's nobody to live there since you got leprosy, whatever it is. Maybe some of them weren't sure that they were healed. Maybe, maybe some of them had doubts about their salvation. And they were wondering, should I really go to the priest and make sure that he's cool with what has happened here? Maybe some of them thought, Jesus knows my heart. He knows I'm thankful. I don't know what the reason was for those guys, but I am shockingly surprised, and so was Jesus, that only one of them came back to praise him for what he did. The rest of them Lived a, lived a one-way relationship with God. Ha, have you ever had somebody not thank you for something? Like, have you ever done something that actually took you time and effort, and you went out of your way to help somebody, and they didn't even acknowledge it? Is there anything worse than that? Like, I, I have a pet peeve, and I am what you would call an aggressive driver. Pray for me. 
because my eyes see 65 miles per hour and my heart believes 75. <laughs> That's what you can get away with. Come on, somebody. And I, I rarely, rarely, if ever, I got to be honest with you, I just don't let people in. I just don't. I'm sorry. You know, wait. I've got a good thing going here. You're in front of me. You let people in. I'm like, oh, come on. But when I do, when the rare occasion happens, I expect the thank you wave. I don't care how you do it. This, 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 this. Whatever it is, you better say thank you, and I better see it. Because <laughs> if not, I'm tailgating. Amen. <laughs> and, 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 and I thought about you know, Jesus in Luke 17 has had a hard couple of weeks. The Pharisees hate him. The Sadducees are rotten with the Herodians. They want to kill him. The disciples are questioning him. They're not getting anything. And he's on his way to Jerusalem. He's... The, the cross is in sight, and he knows exactly what's waiting for him. Just days away from a bloody, torturous death for these people. And ten guys show up, and he's tired, and he's worn out because he was human and he was God. And he sucks it up, and he heals them. Could you imagine you've had a long day at work? And you get in your car, you're tired, you're worn out, people have been messing with you all day, you're ticked off at the world, you just want to get home. And you drive home and you let 10 people in. 10. It's a good day for you. For me, it's a miracle. <laughs> and just one gives you the thank you wave. You would have a story for years. You'd be telling your grandkids, let me tell you about the no thank you wave right home, all right? Because I had to go to therapy, it was bad, and I was just angry for a year, all right? I mean, could you imagine buying 10 gifts? You don't have much money, you buy 10 gifts for 10 people. One, one says thank you. Awful. And I, know, I, I don't want you to miss this because the Bible says that Jesus says, where are the other nine? <laughs> he wanted to see it. He wanted to know, do you care? Do you see what I've done for you? No, no, don't, don't give me that excuse. God knows my heart. Don't give him that excuse. Husbands, you better know this more than anybody else. You're married to a woman. You say you love her. And you try to get by with honey. Come on. You know my heart. She's going to be like, shut up, fool. I want to hear it. You gotta tell me, you gotta do something. I gotta feel your love. And listen, that woman is made in the image of God. And if she wants it, he wants it. Don't give God that excuse. He knows my heart. He made your heart, he made your hands, and he made your mouth, and he made everything else. Use it to thank him and to praise him. Jesus says to the woman at the well in John 4, he says, the worst, true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And he says, the Father is looking. He's looking for those who will worship him that way. 
God is looking. And I don't know about you, but if God's looking for something and God's got everything, and God could do some pretty awesome things for me, I want to be noticed by God. I think about David, right? He replaced the king of Israel, Saul. And the Bible says that David wasn't even considered worthy of being king by his own father. His father didn't even bring him to Saul to Samuel to see if he was worthy of the kingship. He just left him out with the sheep. But God said, I'm not choosing any of David's brothers. I am looking at a man who knows how to worship me. He describes David like this. He's a man after my own heart. And if you look at the Psalms written by David, it was all about worshiping God, sometimes complaining, but most times saying, God, you are awesome. You are good. I love you. I'm not afraid to say it. And I want to worship you for all the things that you've done in my life. If you want things to start going well in your life, how about you start turning up the worship jets in your life? See how it goes. Because if, if, if God is looking for something, then I want to be that something. Because he has everything. And he can do anything for my life. And then I thought in this, message, this passage that there was ten lepers. And, and if you know anything about the Bible, there's, there's a reason for every number. And that numbers have meanings. And the number ten in the Bible means Testing. Testing. Whenever you see the number 10, it's usually referring to a test. Uh, Moses goes up on the mountain. He receives how many commandments from God? 10. And God says to the people, if you do these things, I'm going to bless you and prosper you and grow you. It's a test. And then there's a church in Revelation chapter 3 named Smyrna. In the Bible, the angel says to them, the devil's going to test you for 10 days. Numbers, number 10 is testing. I thought about how Daniel was tackled with a diet, a special diet, for 10 days. And I thought about the tithe. We talk a lot about the tithe in church. The tithe literally means the tenth. The first tenth of my income goes back to God in the house of worship. It's a test. And it says in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, test me now in this. Test me. Put your trust in me instead of your paycheck and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out such a blessing that you cannot contain it and I will rebuke the devourer and I will protect you. Some of you have no protection and you have no provision and no blessing because you're not passing that test. Numbers a test. So I thought here's a guy, one guy out of 10 who passed the worship test. And if you're taking notes with me, take them out today. I want to give you three ways that you can pass the worship test because God is looking for worshipers. People who know how to love him for what he's done for them. And in 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, here's what it says. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you. What's God's will? What's God's will? Be thankful. Be thankful. Praise him. Worship him. One leper in 10 passes the worship test. How did he do it? Look at verse 15. It says, Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. If we're going to pass the worship test, number one, we're going to do what this guy did. He noticed what Jesus had done. And what I mean by that is that he made the connection. The blessing came from him. He's the source. 
The Bible says in Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord and the fullness therein. Everything comes from God. Whatever blessings, whatever prosperity, whatever you have in life, it comes from Jesus, my friend. He is before all things. He is in all things. All things were created by him, for him, and through him. And you have what you have because of Jesus. And by the way, you have extra. Most times we're complaining about what we don't have instead of looking at what we do have. We are the people, we are the nation of extra. Quick survey. Don't be ashamed to do this. Tell me, how many of you have more than one shirt? Raise your hand. Come on, be honest. Let's, let's up the ante. How many of you have more than five shirts? It's pretty much everybody. Praying for some of you. How, how many of you have shoes on your feet? Amen. How, how many of you have more than one pair of shoes? Come on, ladies. Seriously. Don't even try me. Do you know what you have? Extra. How, some of you have disposable income. <laughs> think, about, think about that. Disposable income. You have money that you could literally throw in the trash can. Some of you have extra rooms in your house that have nobody in them. Some of you have guest bedrooms. <laughs> you have a bedroom for People who aren't even there yet. <laughs> Cheryl and I went to Soweto in 2002. Soweto is in South Africa. is where apartheid literally started to come to an end. And we walked through that town. We saw the little children of Soweto, smiles on their faces, living on mud in huts made out of tin. No air conditioning in South Africa. Nothing to their name. Smiles, gratefulness, attitudes of love and acceptance. An amazing, an amazing attitude. They got nothing compared to you. They got nothing compared to me. And they're more thankful for it. I'm amazed. We, 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 we teach our kids, say thank you. Say thank you. Anybody gives you anything, you say thank you. If you give my child anything at all, you better believe that I'm going to be in his back, in his ear saying, you better say thank you. We do that with our kids. Why don't we do that with ourselves between us and God? Say thank you. Tell him you appreciate him. Tell him you know that everything you got comes from him. And you're not afraid to say it. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from where? From above, coming down from the what? Father of lights. Worship makes the connection. What I got comes from God. When we don't worship, we turn inward and ugly. When we aren't grateful, we turn to murmuring and complaining. And listen to me very carefully. Murmuring is the language of the devil. He's been murmuring since Genesis chapter 3, and he murmurs all the time. The Bible says he, can, he accuses and he murmurs. That's all he does. And if you're going to be like the devil, then you go ahead and complain. You go ahead and complain about your life, about what you don't have, about how your neighbor has more than you, and you compare yourself to other people. And the reason why you're doing that is because you're not worshiping. You're so focused on what you don't got that you can't even enjoy what you do. 
And the devil's got you chasing your tail, running in circles, working extra hours, trying to make more money, not giving to anybody because you want, you want, you want, and you wonder why you can never get on top. It's because you do not have an attitude of worship and praise for what you already got from God. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, here's, here's what it says. Do all things without complaining or murmuring. Do all things. Raise that little child without complaining and murmuring. Go to work without complaining and murmuring. Work through those difficult days in your marriage without complaining and murmuring. Why? He says, so that you may be children of God, innocent and blameless, Without fault, in a crooked and depraved generation, among whom you shine, he says, among whom you shine as lights in the wilderness. That's how we shine. When we lay down the murmuring attitudes of our life and we give praise to God and we make the connection, all that I have, it comes from you. How about this morning? How did you come to church today? How do you come to church regularly? Are you a consumer or are you a giver? A consumer walks into a church like this and just examines everything. They just examine, they critique. Well, they don't sing hymns. Well, it's a little bit too loud, it's too dark, too bright, too much smoke, too many lights. Pastor's kind of loud. <laughs> What's he so angry about? <laughs> Pastor's kind of young, pastor's too old, pastor's too fat, pastor's too short, whatever. I mean, the music is this, the music is that. The, the cafe ran out of bacon. I mean, is that how you come? Or do you come and you say, thank you, God. I have a comfortable seat. Air conditioning in this room. I, I have a wonderful place, wonderful people to come together with and say thank you to God. And it's not about how it makes me feel. It's about who Jesus is, and he is the Lord of Lords, and he is the King of Kings, and he is worthy, worthy of our praise. Make the connection. Number two, he broke away from the others. You'll never be a worshiper until you stop caring what other people think of you. We talk to our kids about teen, uh, peer pressure, peer pressure, and we tell them, you don't have to do what your, friend, what your friends do, you know. You got to do what you know you should do. We say things like, well, if Johnny's mom lets him jump off a bridge, would you jump off a bridge? You know, we say these things. But we adults live with peer pressure. We make decisions about where we're going to live based on who's in the neighborhood. We make decisions about what we should own based on what our neighbors have. It's peer pressure. And then when we come to church, we don't express worship because what if somebody sees? And by the way, that's why we keep the lights so low. So you don't have to worry about that. Well, I can't raise my hand because, you know, I might be seen. Let me just tell you something. Get over yourself. Nobody's looking at you. It's a good chance they're thinking about what you're going to think of them. So you just worship God no matter how somebody else feels about it. David, again, a worshiper, there was a time when the Ark of the Covenant was coming back into the city. They hadn't had it for years. I think it's First Chronicles 6. And as the Ark comes back, David literally disrobes. 
He throws off everything because he's just dancing wildly before the Lord. And he's just excited. The presence of God is coming back into the nation of Israel. And the Bible says that his wife, Michal, the daughter of Saul, she despised him in her heart. She said, how undignified for the king to disrobe and and express himself that way. And he says, let me tell you something. I will become even more undignified than this because of what God has done in my life. No wonder he was so blessed. No wonder God showered him with blessings because he knew that the only opinion that mattered was the opinion of God. How are you living your life? In the light of what God thinks or in the light of what other people think? Because if you worry about what other people think, you will be depressed for the rest of your life. Stop worrying about it. Let it go. Number three, he expressed worship. God wants to see it. It says that he turned back and he praised God with a loud voice. Nothing wrong with being loud. Nothing wrong with preaching loud. Nothing wrong with letting it out when you feel blessed by God. And then it says, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. You don't get much more expressive than that. Don't say, God knows my heart. He wants to see it. We have other excuses. I can't sing. So what? The Bible doesn't say make a skillful noise to the Lord. It says make a joyful noise to the Lord. You ever watch Fenway Park between the top of the seventh and the bottom of the seventh? Or I'm sorry, the bottom of the eighth and the top of the eighth? What do they do? They sing. Sweet Caroline. I mean, yeah. (laughs) Insanity. What does that have to do with baseball? <laughs> but they sing. You go to the Patriots game, people sing. Yeah, I mean, people sing for things that they care about. And the Bible commands us to sing. Let it out. Express it. Worship God with your voice. Some of you come into this church, and this is what you do for the first 20 minutes. It's embarrassing, isn't it? (laughs) You're all like tensed up now. (laughs) Let me tell you something. When you don't worship God, when he's giving you so much, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. And there's there's this, there's this passage in the Bible that really, it makes me fear for America. Because Jesus said on several occasions, to whom much is given, much will be required. Where are those people? That's talking about us. And we don't worship God like, he sh- like we should, like he deserves to be worshipped. Stop making excuses. 
Stop living half in love with Jesus and give your whole heart to him. I, I fear for some of you because some of you used to be really expressive and you're not anymore. Why? What's changed? What's changed? Has, has things gotten really, really bad for you? Look at Job. God took everything. God let Satan take everything away from him. He sat on his feet on, on the ground, poured dust on his head, and said, May the name of the Lord be praised. He stands as a shining example that you do not worship based on your circumstances. You worship based on God's character, and his character never changes, and so he's always worthy of our praise. Always. Always. I'm just not a very expressive person. Pastor, I can clearly see that you are an expressive person, but not me. Yes, you are. You grandmothers are. You see your little babies? Uh, yo, look at them. Whoa, I love them. Oh, you talk like really high and weird. I mean, some of you sports nuts here. The Red Sox win, the Patriots win. I mean, you would think that they won for you. You think that you were getting paid more money when they won. Act like a lunatic. Go to the sports stadiums, paint your face up, paint your baby up. Look like an absolute lunatic. For what? A football crossing a white line. I mean, come on, somebody. We're not here celebrating a touchdown. We're here celebrating that Jesus threw the devil down. And it's over in Jesus' name. It's over. It's over. New Englanders are funny, man. We worship sports. Worship sports. We will, let, we will literally let a Patriots loss ruin our day. Come on. Seriously, get a life. Have a hobby. You know? When it's warm outside, oh my gosh, we worship. Did you see the sun? It's like 85 degrees. It's beautiful. Woo what are we doing? We're worshiping weather. You know what else we do in, in New England? We worship our kids. We worship our kids. We act like they're little gods who have come to save us from a meaningless life. They're children. They're little demons dressed in skin. <laughs> and they need to be rebuked and cast out on several occasions. Especially when they're over 25. Come on, somebody. I was at my son's baseball game yesterday. <laughs> what a bunch of worshipers. Good job, Johnny. Way to go, Aiden. And kids missing the ball by like four feet. <laughs> Good swing, Johnny. Good swing. Good cut. I'm like, did you see what I just saw? Because he wasn't even swinging at the ball. <laughs> like, go play soccer, Johnny. It's a bigger target. <laughs> like, Worship our kids. We, we're afraid. Some of you parents, you're afraid to disappoint your children. Why? That's half the fun. It's like, I look forward to those moments. Oh, man. Yeah, you're not getting ice cream. You know why? Because you were bad. I'm, I'm not buying you an iPod at age 10. I'm sorry. Get a job. 
We worship these little rugrats instead of doing what Jesus tells us to do. He tells us to love them, bring them to Jesus, and discipline them. Some of you single moms, man, I, I, you are heroes, but you need to step it up here. And stop looking for love and affection from your children and find it all in Jesus Christ and then be the mom God created you to be. Worship all these things, but we never worship God and we need to start. We are commanded to express it. We're commanded to clap. Psalm 47 verse 1, clap your hands all you nations. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. We're commanded to sing. Not about talent, about joy. Psalm 100, verse 1, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Sing. We're commanded to lift our hands. Psalm 134, verse 2, lift your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Try it. You might like it. It's freeing. They have no problem doing this at Gillette Stadium. <laughs> we are commanded to bow our knees. Problem is most of us only bow our knees when we're really desperate. Bow your knees when you're thankful. Philippians 2 verse 10, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. We are commanded to be silent. God is holy. God is awesome. Sometimes you just got to get him in his presence and be silent. I hesitated to share this one because most of you have this mastered. But there are times where we should just be quiet before the Lord. We are commanded to gather in worship. I'm amazed at how many times many Christians break this command every single week. Psalm 107, verse 32. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people. That means go to church and worship Jesus. Let him praise him in the council of the elders. Go to church and worship Jesus. I'm a Christian. Do you go to church? No. Why not? Well, you know, God knows my heart. No, he doesn't. Stop making a cop-out excuse for your laziness and your ingratitude and start getting up. Bring your family, bring your children, and teach them this comes first in our family. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You got to start this. You got to start this because you're the one that's going to benefit from it. You're the one. God's looking for a few Davids in this place, a few Annas, a few Annas from the, from, the sanctu- from the temple in Luke chapter 1. She praised God day and night. God exalted her. Mary, before she gave birth to Jesus, she said, may it be according to me, according to your word, and she exalted God. She was a virgin in the first century who was pregnant before marriage. That was like being ostracized, and she worshiped God for giving her the opportunity to do what he wanted her to do. You need to start worshiping, friend. You need to be a lover of Jesus before you're a lover of anything else. Nothing wrong with loving good weather. Nothing wrong with loving sports teams. Nothing wrong with loving children. But there's something bad about not worshiping God when you love everything he's given you. So I got a job for you. I got a job for you. You were given a thank you card on your way in today. I want everybody, every family in this church, I want you to write a thank you card to God. Today. Before you go to bed tonight, you can do it as a family. You can do it as a married couple. Do it alone. I don't care how you do it, just do it. You write, Dear God, thank you. Thank you for what you have done, and you better be specific. Thank you for my extra. 
Thank you for my health. Thank you for my family. Thank you for getting me through that bad season. Thank you for getting me over the cancer. Get me, thank you for getting me through school. You start thanking him and you write it out. Write it out. Signed your name. Then you put this thing on your refrigerator open like this so that when people come over your house, they will know where your affections lie. And you'll have an opportunity to invite them to church and tell them about how much Jesus has done for you. Some of you, here's what I want some of you to do. And I, I don't know, maybe all of you can do this. We need at least a few of you to take it, put it in the envelope today, stamp it, and mail it to us. Mail it back to our church. And if we get enough tomorrow, or I'm sorry, Tuesday or Wednesday, we're going to make a video out of it, and we're going to hear what you are thankful for, and you're going to see it on the screens. We want you to be thankful. We want you to praise God. We want you to start learning how to be a worshiper, because you have been blessed. You have been blessed. Now, some of you, some of you, I know where you're at. I know that it's not been a good year for you. It's been a bad year. You're like, Pastor, I get what you're saying. I understand that I should shine, but if you just had the week that I had, if you had the kids that I have, if you had the parents that I had, if you had the spouse that I had, you would know I got nothing left. Let me tell you something about, about worship. Let me tell you something about light, right? Light is never more appreciated, is never more visible, it's never more exemplary than when it's darkest. Right now, this light doesn't mean much to you. But when you're going through a hard time and when life is at its darkest, that's when you need the light the most. Shut the lights off for me, Christian. For many of you, this is what you need to start doing in your dark times. You need to start worshiping even when there's no light in your life. And when you worship, the light's going to come back. And the goodness of the Lord is going to come back. I want to know if there's somebody in Waters Church who knows how to worship Jesus and isn't afraid to stand on their feet and tell him, I love you with all my heart. You are my God. You are enough. And I worship you for what you've done. I worship you. Is that all you got? Come on, somebody. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. I don't care what it looks like. You are God and you are worthy of my praise. There is none like you, Jesus. Come on, worship him. Worship him. Express your love to Jesus.